You're listening to the Kurdistan in America podcast, the official podcast of the Kurdistan Regional Government representation in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Dulavan Barwari. Welcome to the ninth episode of season three. I have the honor of speaking with Dr. Lori Mason, senior technical expert for IREX, a global development and education organization. We discussed IREX's programs in the Kurdistan region, the Education Reform Initiative by the KRG, her personal life story, and her experience in Kurdistan. Dr. Mason has over 20 years of experience leading a wide range of education programming with nearly a decade in the Kurdistan region. She has designed programs to improve the overall relevance of higher education, institutionalizing changes within the current system and providing high-level guidance and support to the KRG's Ministry of Higher Education and Scientific Research. She has also helped facilitate collaboration between the U.S. government, KRG's Ministry of Higher Education and Scientific Research, and U.S. university partners. And now, the interview with Dr. Lori Mason. Laurie, welcome to the Kurdistan in America podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you. Let's begin our discussion with IREX. Now, before I ask you about the mission and vision of the organization, one of the things that I noticed on the website, it says that the objectives of the organization is to have a more just, more prosperous, and more inclusive society or societies. Tell me about that. That's right. So, you know, we really believe that um, it's important that we build opportunity. You know, within IREX, IREX is the International Research and Exchanges Board. Uh, The name doesn't necessarily uh, relate to what work we do today. It comes from the history of the organization. But um, across IREX, we believe that if we strengthen institutions, if we support leaders in understanding um, and building the skills they need to lead effectively, if we empower youth, um, then we're going to have an opportunity as we bring together these four these pillars, we're going to have an opportunity to really uh, transform society so that there's opportunities um, there's more of an equity in opportunity for individuals who may have been marginalized. There's an opportunity for economic development, and we build a just a vibrant society overall. Now, I noticed that you're operating in about 100 countries around the world, and you're also in the Kurdistan region and, of course, Iraq. That's part of Iraq. Now, tell me about your programs in the Kurdistan region. What is the central fo- focus there? Sure. So IREX um, has been operating in Iraq since 2006, but we transitioned um, from earlier programming to education and specifically higher education programming in 2011. That's when I came on board. And we've been working to support universities primarily, um, or at least that was our initial work, supporting universities to have Um, better quality teaching and instruction on campuses, uh, make sure that university offerings are aligned to what market needs are. So there's a a market alignment and really just strengthen the overall quality assurance process for universities. Um, The goal of that is, you know, a lot of organizations will work directly with youth and we love youth. We want to support 
youth to have the the skills that they need for society and also just for effective uh, effectively being able to find employment and support families. But we believe in doing um, the longer term capacity building and support with the institutions. And so we've been working with universities since 2011 for that purpose. Um, we've also been working with schools and with teacher training as well, because again, we believe that education, it's a pillar for change. If we want society to change or be transformed, we've really got to work with uh, our educators who are going to have a collective footprint across society and they're going to have an imprint on individual lives as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now, are you working through the Ministry of Higher Education, KRG's Ministry of Higher Education and Education, or is it specifically higher education? Primarily, it's really um, higher education. We do some work with the Ministry of Education. We have some teacher training, but the primary work is the Ministry of Higher Education. And we've had the great pleasure of working um, for years within the ministry and have had the opportunity to meet some incredible colleagues. Uh, we started working as IRECs with universities um, again in 2011 with one university. It was University of Dehook. And since then, it's expanded to be um, support for all the universities across Kurdistan. Um, and that's in a variety of ways. So we work on institutional partnerships with U.S. universities for a particular target area. We um, have been able to establish career development centers in each of the public universities and, and support some of the private universities in that area and in a variety of other areas that we've been able to work in higher ed. Very interesting. Now, one of the projects that I followed that I would like to know more about, and I think the audience will be interested, is the National Model UN Association. And I believe there was a program for 2021 that was funded by Department of State and IREX and hosted at Soran University. Sounds like an exciting project or program. What were some of its impacts? Sure. So that is a great example of one of the program partnerships. And, and the program is funded, um, and we've been able to work in a with long-term partnership with U.S. Embassy. And one of the goals of the um, the U.S. Embassy programming is to to build sustainable long-term partnerships with U.S. universities so that there's a collegial kind of information sharing relationship building at, an, at a faculty level and an institutional level. Um, and so with that model in mind, we have a process to solicit ideas from universities. We think that change should be bottom up and, and top down, and we should be working at different levels, right? So um, so Ron University proposed the idea of starting uh, the first model UN in a university um, in Iraq as a whole and certainly in Kurdistan. And so we were able to work with them and this idea and partner them with University of Central Florida and some fantastic colleagues there who developed curriculum uh, to help train Soran team members who are a part of this model UN in how to conduct what what does a model UN look like how what are the the steps the procedures all of those things that need to be followed and then the team in Soran put together a really fantastic program where um, youth from across students from across Kurdistan came and participated in this event um, they had opportunities to learn they had speaker sessions where Various leaders were able to come and, and talk with them about um, government, uh, the rule of law, and, and support, uh, really understanding kind of the, the ins and outs of how diplomacy works and, and what do these organizations like the UN or, or 
um, parliament, other things. How, how do they work specifically? And then these, the participants had a chance to join sessions where they debated and they, they talked about issues and they had an opportunity to really understand um, how to go about a solutions approach, finding a solutions and, and compromise around a, what could be a potentially tar- uh, controversial area and develop those skills that are are needed in from a leadership standpoint. And so they were able to draft resolutions and come up with ideas that, you know, hopefully um, folks in leadership in the area were able to also take a look at and understand some of the very creative ideas that came from the, the participants of that event. But it was a very exciting event overall. Sounds like a fascinating program. Mm-hmm. Now let's pivot to the education sector in Kurdistan. You've been in Kurdistan for some time now. You're, you've visited Kurdistan several times, and I think you've been working in the Kurdistan region in the public in the public education as well as higher education for some time. What are the main challenges in education sector? What's its status, and in your view, and what type of education reform is needed? You know, um, I think it's true of school systems and, and education systems globally. Um, I certainly would say this is true of, of local schools in the United States. But I think that one of the bigger challenges is that schools themselves are under-resourced. Um, the education system, typically education, can be under, under-resourced compared to other sectors. Um, if I were to pinpoint specific uh, reform areas that I, re- I would recommend, well, one, you know, we've had the opportunity to work with teachers across Kurdistan who are, they are engaged. They want to learn. They want to change how they do teaching and learning on campus. And so I think one of the biggest support areas that could help the education sector is professional development for teachers to understand how to teach differently. I mean, in my experience, most of the education programming across Kurdistan, it's very theoretical, it's lecture driven. And in that, um, you know, students gain a lot of theoretical knowledge. But they've never had the opportunity in the academic setting, in their school setting, to really learn how to apply that, to build the skills that, um, you know, in 21st century education, the four C's of education. So things like collaboration, communication, creativity, and um, those type of skills that are going to serve them well when they go out and find a job or go out and work in society. And so really supporting educators to understand how to change what classroom level teaching looks like so that students are equipped with those skills um, while in their, in their study is a key area of reform. Um, I think there are several others that I, you know, just when we look at curriculum, you know, revising a reforming curriculum so that it's outcome based, it's really aligned to the outcomes that you're trying to achieve with the education that students are, are um, being provided. Uh, mapping it to the competencies that you want Kurdistan youth to be able to, to, to have when they leave their educational institutions. I think those are, are some of the things that um, we've seen when we've worked with teachers. Um, there's, there's such an appetite and interest for that. And we've seen them really transform their classes with just a, you know, a little bit of support and professional development along those lines. And so those would be the areas I think I would, I would suggest. 
Great recommendations. Now, the KRG Ministries of Education and Higher Education have embarked on a reform program in accordance with the standards of the recently launched Accreditation Association for Education. What's your take on that? Um, I think it's incredibly important for uh, the for the ministries to set standards and be very clear about the processes for institutions that um, one that measure you know the, the role of, edu- of of accreditation is really to to try to uh, measure quality what's happening in terms of the quality on campus and what's happening in terms of the um, the teaching and learning the outputs of, or outcomes of education so I think it's incredibly important for uh, for the ministries, both education and higher education, to be very clear about what the standards for schools or universities look like and what it takes to achieve that standard. I think, um, gosh, there are so many things I could say about that. I think there's an opportunity for uh, both ministries to leapfrog, to really gain from the best of all models, whether it's the U.S. or the Bologna or other other processes or models, and really hone in on something that is distinctly and uniquely uh, for Kurdistan education. I think anytime we start talking about um, aligning education so that we start uh, from the very basic level in primary school and we start building skills and those skills, you know, are continually built upon in that vertical alignment of education and higher education. I think that's um, an important goal for the ministries as they're speaking or or thinking about how to change uh, accrediting models. And I think if we, if, if it's approached as a way to really enhance quality and build quality assurance processes, then that's fantastic. Um, So I think it's an exciting program. Okay. Now the education standards for Kurdistan Accreditation Association for Education is in line with U.S. standards, or it will follow U.S. standards. What's your view? Would, would U.S. standards work in Kurdistan? Well, you know, um, so I'm very proud of the U.S. higher education system. I think we have some of the best universities in the world. And, and it's in part because there's a process for, um, you know, assessing quality and, and continually building quality enhancement steps. So I think if, if that is taken uh, as a, a model, I think that's fantastic. Um, we, in all of our programs, say that you know, we, we start with um, guidance for partners that the models in the U.S., they work well in the U.S. They took years and years and years to develop, but they can't be copy-pasted and, and replicated in another area, whether it's Kurdistan or another area. They really have to be adapted and molded to what the the goals are for that area, the resources, um, and some of the parameters. And so I think that the U.S. model is a great model to borrow from. uh, But I think the key will be really taking the expertise locally to adapt and create a uniquely Kurdish system that draws, like I said, from the best of all models. So there are some things about the Bologna process that's it's actually better in some ways than perhaps the U.S. Uh, and there are things about the U.S. model that are certainly better than than the Bologna process. And I think um, mapping off of the best of all of these different uh, systems to create one that works best for Kurdistan would be very important. 
Sounds like a very a long-term project. It'll take many years to really yes. establish Absolutely. the standards. And- um, I mean, and just in the U.S., if, for, if you look at a university level, it can take six-plus years for a university to achieve their institutional accreditation. Um, it is, it's not, it's a long-term process. And I hope that, I'm sure our colleagues are going into it with long-term change in mind and, and just the, um, the patients to be able to continually taking those steps forward to see that change happen. Now let's turn to your story, Laurie. Tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up and how did you end up with IREX? Oh, goodness. Um, that's actually a long story. But I grew up uh, in, in North Carolina, middle of nowhere in a farming community um, in North Carolina. Still here, actually. Um, we're, we're still based in the same area. But I first came um, on board in IREX in 2011. Now, prior to that, I'd, I had been in Kurdistan, fell in love, just absolutely loved the people of Kurdistan and had come to back to the U.S. and was working on my doctorate. But I wanted to stay connected. And so I was able to get my university, it was a university here locally, um, in, involved in a program that partnered. It was at, at the time, there were five public universities. The higher education system in Kurdistan has grown immensely since then. But the five public universities partnered with um, the university I was, I was in, Appalachian State, and four other U.S. universities. Um, the that was a jointly funded program. The, the Ministry of Higher Education in Kurdistan and the U.S. Embassy at the time um, provided funding for that. And I was told that became the model for the U.S. Embassy program that is currently in existence. Um, fast forward several years, I, the embassy put out a program for a, a rebid of a program, a linkage program, and IREX won that. And I was able to come on board to to run the program. So that's um, Kurdistan actually, and the, and the engagement there is part of how I ended up in IREX. Pretty interesting. Now, when was the first time you heard about Kurdistan? Was it through that program or no, did you actually, hear about it before? Um, it predated that. So in my first trip to Kurdistan was in September of 2003, way back. And um, when I, I first came over, it was to to help support a group that was doing some uh, just some efforts on the ground in Kurdistan, and they told me that I was going to Iraq. And then a little bit later, in some of the information, they said you're going to fly into Kurdistan, and I had never heard of Kurdistan <laughs> at that point. And so I was like, wait. I, I thought I was going here. Where, where is Kurdistan? And so I had to do a little, a little studying on where you know where in the world is Kurdistan. And of course, like I said, fell in love uh, from from the first time in, and um, have continued to to be able to be a part of you know all that's happening in Kurdistan. Well, Kurdistan loves you too, Lori. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> now, what is a word or phrase that explains Kurdistan to you, or comes to your mind when you hear Kurdistan? Um, well, the phrase that was, uh, was shared quite often, and I share this with many U.S., we, we have many U.S. faculty and other, um, individuals who come over, experts in different areas. And for some of them, they'll know a little bit of the, the area and the history. For others, um, it's still, it's still a new thing. They're still learning about Kurdistan. And so one of the phrases that was shared in, in one of the campaigns was, um, the other Iraq. And I'll often use that phrase of like, well, it really is. It's not what you think. Um, it is the other Iraq. Um, 
And so that is one that I, I use regularly uh, in the okay. in the day to day. I think one phrase, you know, I I love the mountains in Kurdistan. We, we're in a mountainous you know area here, and I can so appreciate the um, the history of the Kurdish people and and you know the resilience and the struggle and the phrase uh, "no friends but the mountains" actually. Um, has been one that I've taken to heart and in our programming wanted to ensure that, you know, our, our friends in Kurdistan know that they do have friends, but I can certainly appreciate um, the, all that came to create that phrase. Thank you so much for all your work, Laurie. Would you like to add anything before I wrap, we wrap up the interview? No, I just want to say thank you um, for, for having me today. I so appreciate the work that you all are doing um, in D.C. and helping to ensure strong relationships between the United States and Kurdistan continue. And so thank you for letting me be here today and look forward to more collaboration. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Kurdistan in America podcast the official podcast of the Kurdistan Regional Government Representation in Washington, D.C. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast either on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. Also, for more information about the Kurdistan region, please visit our website at www.us.gov.krd or follow us on Twitter at krg_usa. USA.